Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Everybody, welcome back to the Upworthy Weekly Podcast. My name is Todd Perry, and with me is the wonderful, stupendous Allison Rosen. You know her from Allison Rosen is your new best friend and childish with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. But every Friday, she blesses us, blesseth us, blesseth, <laughs> oh Lord, married, uh, blesses us with her presence on Upworthy Weekly. Hello, Allison. Hello, stupendous. I feel that I have received an upgrade or as many children right around this time of year are receiving something that was not a term used when I was young, a promotion. Uh, oh, 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 a promotion. Yeah? That's what they call it now. When you like, gra- well, like when you go on to the next grade, they call it a promotion. Oh, yes. I, I see that. Why don't is is there something wrong with saying graduation? Is it they're like some kind of like well, weird me, colonial roots to it or something that we're trying to oh, dig up? Right. Has graduation been canceled? I th- I think gradu this is my hunch. Graduation is just when you are leaving one school and heading on to the next. So like eighth grade graduation, twelfth grade graduation, college graduation. But if you're oh wait a minute. Is promotion, I assume promotion is just from one grade to the next, but is it just like, is it not that? Is it like fifth grade to sixth grade or something? Here's my hunch. And listeners, if we're wrong, direct your comments to the king of good news, Todd Perry. Here's what I think. I think promotion happens when you go from fifth grade to sixth grade. I don't know what happens when you go from eighth grade to ninth grade, and then you can graduate high school and you graduate college, and the rest I don't know. So Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com <laughs> for that. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be covering some of the most popular Upworthy stories from May 30th to June 3rd. Uh, we'll be dishing out marriage advice, talking about setting personal boundaries, uh, giving advice on being frugal. And talking about a pilot whose only co-pilots are dogs and, and every once in a while, cats. What? But before we get into that, I, I have to say, Allison, I'm a little bit traumatized today because of something that happened to me yesterday. And I'm just, I'm just going to need to get through it. Uh, but it, it is a little tough. And shockingly, it happened at a, a meeting with Upworthy that I had. And I think most people, when they consider, or if they think about what does it look like to work at Upworthy, I assume they think some kind of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory type of thing where there's just tons of good vibes and everybody's really happy. Maybe there's a few Oompa Loompas running about. You know, there's probably a chocolate fountain, uh, big, huge video boards with cute dog videos. Uh, I'd assume yes. that most people think that that's what's happening. Right. You and gorge ev- yourself on good vibes. Yeah. Uh, and that is, for the most part, what things are like. But every once in a while, you know, people say things that hurt people's feelings. And yesterday, what? my feelings were hurt because I was insulted by an upworthy what? coworker. But 
that's so, not supposed that goes against the upworthy promise that goes against everything Joseph R. Upworthy built the foundation of Upworthy on. What? I know it, it happened, and it's it's one thing if you're just let's say on a dangerous city street and somebody insults yeah. you, you're kind of ready for that. You have your metal up, you know. Uh, right. If you're in, in an upworthy meeting and you've got you're your sitting guard on a down, cloud, you're drinking you hot think, chocolate. You think you're in a safe space, and guess what? Bam! It hits you out of nowhere, and then you're like, "I can't be mm. safe anywhere." Yeah, I don't like but, that. So what happened was, I was in a meeting. Uh, I'm not going to say who, because I don't want this to be a HR thing that's going to go to the desk of Joseph R. Upworthy, and then he's going to have to have an investigation. You know, right. we're going to have to cast a couple people out to the cornfield. Um, but so what happened was, I'm in a meeting, and I'm being taught a new skill. And it just so happened to come out that I use Yahoo Mail. Okay. That my address is at a Yahoo email address. And people snickered at that. <laughs> and then it came up when they were giving instructions on how to do something technical. Uh, they were giving out short keyboard shortcuts for a Mac computer. And Uh-oh. I have no idea how to run a Mac computer. And I had to admit to everybody <sighs> that I work on a PC. So then... The insult came, and it was hurled at me, and it was so painful. I don't even know if we're allowed. Let me ask the Upworthy censors real quick. Okay. Um, can I say this pejorative phrase? Okay. It's okay to use. What they said to me was, after I admitted I use Yahoo for my email, and I don't know how to use a Mac, okay, boomer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, you're Those somebody are who's... fighting words. Yeah, you're somebody who is just right in my age range, okay? Maybe you're just a, a month or two older than me. And if someone in an Upworthy meeting called you that ageist term, boomer, how would you react? I would be quite offended. I would be angry. I would be hurt. I would I would stifle my tears. Mm -hmm. And I would uh, never talk to them again. Fair. I mean, if you think about it, we're members of Generation X, and the whole thing... Yeah, the forgotten generation. Yeah, the whole thing we carried on our backs our whole lives was a, a disdain for these selfish boomers, the mm -hmm. me-generation people that ruined our planet, set the world ablaze with wars, took all the money, bought all the vacation homes, and left subsequent generations with less. That's what that's what boomers did, okay? And to be yes. called a boomer is one of the biggest insults that I think anybody anybody could ever hurl at at a Gen Xer. How old was the I'm sorry to go a, to to meet ageism with ageism. But how old was the person who said it? Because I'm getting a real picture of like a young young TikTok person. 
a TikTok generation person, and I don't like this person very much. Was this a Gen Z person? Was this a Xennial? No. This is worse. All this right. is Gen X on Gen X violence. This was somebody who's my Oh, my age, God. This was a peer? A peer. Someone, again, oh, and I thought Upworthy was a safe space. I thought fellow members of Generation X were safe to be around. And now, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Because um, now I feel like whenever I walk, whenever I go into a meeting now, like th- this is what people are hearing in the background. <laughs> it's like... Remember Woodstock then? What it is you remember exactly the Beatles? Remember Love America style? Remember when we didn't cut our hair, man? You know, I, I feel like it's 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 it's, it's that yeah. going on. It's it's any song from the annoying boomer nostalgia. I think that's the number one boomer nostalgia anthem right there for what it's worth but you know i think so we're belaboring the point here but i'm gonna try to get through today's show wearing the yoke of being called a boomer i think you can do it i believe in you Feel stronger now that I was There's able to talk to another another Gen Xer. And yeah. Let's hear some crunchy, groovy news. All right. Um, how's my eyeline? And you can leave this in. Let the listeners know if they want to go to YouTube.com/slash/upworthy. They can see some clips from this podcast, and, and it's why I'm asking about my eyeline because I have a new. Uh, clipboardy thing, which is holding some notes, and I just want to know how does it look. Do you do you? Does it feel like I'm making a personal connection with you? Uh, it, it feels high? like you're making you're making a personal connection with the news, and that's all we need right now. So listen, Todd. People are sharing some advice that sounded absurd when they first heard it, but is actually really helpful. So a Reddit user named the Count, not the Saint, put a question to the Ask Men forum. Uh, and this was inspired some ad- by some advice that they'd received from their father, which I agree with, this advice. And the advice is, when you get married, get a king bed. It'll just solve a lot of problems. I personally feel, and yes, I'm going to insert my personal opinion to all the forthcoming advice. Uh, we had a queen bed for years, and then we got a king bed. And I thought to myself, I can't believe we slept in a queen bed for so long. A king bed is like... It's in fact, I'm just going to name I'm going to drop a name. Uh, we became friends with, you know, Bobby Moynihan of SNL. We yeah. initially became friends with his wife, who uh, is a wonderful Broadway uh, performer, uh, singer, dancer, actor. Uh, and we saw her in some shows and we became friends with her. We became friends with um, Bobby and he's been on my show a couple of times. And anyway, she's the one I, I forget which uh, it, it doesn't matter. They had, they had a, a king bed and they were like, you can be so far apart from your partner and then you can like roll toward them and then you can roll away and then roll a few more times. The way they described it, it was very funny the way they described it, but like the, the amount of times you can roll away from them and still be in the bed it's just so much space. So anyway, it's true. I, no I have no more fighting answer. for space. 
Don't you love it? Oh, I do love it. I do love it. And we have a we have a memory foam one. So like when when your partner tosses, you don't turn. Right. Wouldn't you yeah. never go back? Oh no, I would definitely never go back. The only other thing I do is like separate bed in separate room. You know? That's yes. the only thing. And the good thing is with a king size bed, no gross unnecessary touching going on. Exactly. Occasionally when we're traveling, if we have to stay in a hotel room with a queen, I think, how are we possibly going to deal with that? And then we do and it's fine. And I remember that, oh, yeah, we are a couple, but still. okay. so here's some other advice that uh, this person collected. This is advice that sounded absurd, but is actually helpful. Uh, So here's one that Lemon Fizzy said. The advice I've given people is this. If you can go grocery shopping with your person and have the best time ever, you have yourself a keeper. It's all about making the best of the mundane things because after years of being together, life becomes predictable. You need to keep the spice going regardless of what you're doing. Source, married 15 years. I personally like this one because uh, one of my favorite things to do with Daniel for some reason, is go grocery shopping. I'm always reminded of how much I love him in the grocery store. I don't know why. It's just a, it's our place. You, you being serious? Yes. Really? <laughs> and we haven't gone grocery shopping throughout the entire pandemic. So you, so you can imagine the state of our marriage. No, for some reason, I don't know why. Maybe it's something, there's something so domestic about it. I don't know. But for some reason, I, I always am like filled with warm, fuzzy, romantic, I don't mean sexual, but like, romantic feelings when I go grocery shopping with him that is that is wild because I I it's the ap- exact opposite for me because and it, and, it, and this falls into some some of my marriage advice that, that I will share but two people just overly complicates things and it's like who who's got the cart and so then like she's we, you don't take two carts so she's got the cart and then in order to save time I'm like oh I'm gonna go get some peanut butter and then I got to walk all the way across the store, find her to put the peanut butter back. It's, it becomes a French farce soon enough. So <laughs> I, I do not enjoy going grocery shopping with my wife. And then also it brings up things like, why are you buying the chicken breasts that are nine bucks when you can get the one that's two fifty? And mm. there's some, some conflict that goes on there. So, um, okay. Yeah. So your advice would be don't do errands together. Correct. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say my advice, and I think I've talked about this show on the show before, is when considering running errands and doing tasks as a couple, I always ask the important question, does this take two people? Yeah. If not, we're both wasting our time going to Target when I could just go or she could just go and then we switch off back and forth. Somebody takes the job. Some people sometimes just want to get out of the house. So some people enjoy doing the, the chore. But if not, then it's me and her charging through the target, and I gotta watch her. Like eh, maybe I should try on this sundress, you know. And then I'm like, ah, you know. But if she goes by herself, she could try on the sundress, do whatever she wants. That's that's what I think. It keeps both people happy because you're both not put out. You should you it's should spe- use the power of two, you know. It's specifically for me grocery stores. Like I do not enjoy shopping at Target. I would rather be with Daniel than by myself, probably, if I'm going to be at Target. And also, I find something like Costco overwhelming. It's just specifically a grocery store with him. I enjoy that. I don't know what it is. Uh, Okay, here's another one. My grandfather told me never go to bed with dirty dishes in the sink. What I learned is that he would always help my grandma, and that is when they did their most talking. What I hear when I hear that is you don't want to have bugs in your house. 
that's why you can't leave dirty dishes in the sink. Bugs are going to find that. I think you're right about that. And and plus, these are like grandpa. That was a grandpa giving that advice. And I'd imagine things were like way more infested in like the 1950s. Yeah. You know, but but then again, people probably put just like DDT, like just around the house (laughs) to kill things. Right. I don't know. Here's a bit of advice that I'm going to give. And this goes against everything you hear. I think, and I would like to know what you think about this, Todd. I think it is okay to go to bed angry. You know how they're like, never go to bed angry. You know what? Go to bed angry sometimes. And here's why. (laughs) When you wake up, you're going to have a different outlook on it. Here's my two pieces of advice. Talk about everything, even the small stuff. If you have a good, I mean, first of all, don't marry someone that you don't have the ability to communicate well with that's three pieces of advice make sure you can talk about stuff two if something is rattling around your brain get it out in the open three it's okay to go to bed angry sometimes if you've talked like try to talk about it but it's okay if you can't find resolution it's okay to go to and you're tired it's okay to go to bed because you're going to feel better about it in the morning. That's my thing. Because sometimes it's like what feels like a big deal at 1.30 a.m. on a Tuesday when I feel like I'm just going in circles. I'm going to wake up and it's going to feel totally different. What do you think? I think that's a decent point. If if you can sleep well and, you know, and, and also and conversely, the problem could exacerbate the more time w- without being completely addressed as well. Like, you know, both of you sitting there stewing about, you know, what whatever, you know, Daniel did or whatever you did, uh, that could that could actually lead to worse things, too. And then if you don't have time to kind of fix everything up during the day, then you're working and you're sitting there and you're like lamenting the whole thing. So I I say if it is solvable, try to get to it that day because I I don't I I guess, you know what, when they say don't go to bed angry, maybe they mean address it I believe things should be addressed but I guess what I mean is like if you're like sometimes Daniel and I will have a conversation and I will feel like I still I don't feel that we've reached the resolution of this but I'm gonna call it (laughs) because (laughs) it's late and I don't think that I'm in the best place right now because I'm so tired so let's just hit let's 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 pick this up in the morning. Sure. And then usually it's like I'm in a better place the next day. We both are. Well, you know, it's also when you're married, the cool thing is you're going to have that fight again. <laughs> yes, we'll revisit. Yeah. <laughs> so next true. Week, next week we're going to fight over this again. So uh go ahead and uh let's just call it right here. So Here's a good one. Marry him for who he is, not his potential. That's both uh, depressing and also, I think, very good advice. You got to marry the person that the you got. You got to be realistic about who you're marrying. It's funny. I've never heard about a guy that has married a woman thinking he's going to change her into something. I've never. Again, we're we're being a little 
you know, gender stereotypy and a little general, but I have never met a guy that's like, you know, she's got potential. And if I (laughs) just kind of worked her, you know, got her a little more domestic, maybe got her a better job, then she could be this perfect thing. But all the time, my wife, one of them, uh, thinking that you can change somebody or turn me into this, you know, perfect guy that's like, you know, the guy in the Hallmark Channel movies, you know? <laughs> what was she going to change you into? Well, I'm not there yet. I, you know, it would have been nice if she told me this and who she right. expected me to be. Because sometimes I'm just like, you know who you married. That's uh, what I'm saying. Like, what, what, what were the hopes? I, th- I think actually who I am now is as close to who she hoped, but it, that it was oh, a long, good. long journey, <laughs> you know? So yes, but if you are going into ma- a marriage wanting to change somebody, then at least let them know what you want the finished product to be and yes. whether that person wants to change. Cause that's, that's not cool. You know? Uh, And then lastly, Bill Maher said, the three most important words in a relationship aren't I love you, they're let it go. Oddly, this has proven to be some of the best relationship advice I've ever heard. Uh, That one's good. I don't believe he's known for long-term relationships, but it's still wise. Yeah, it would be like, you know, the best advice on sobriety would be from Bill Maher. You know, yeah, the guy guy who hasn't been married, but he's, he's been in many relationships. I believe he probably has, yes. And I used to work with a gal that dated him. By the way, I met, oh, yeah? Bill, Mar- met Bill Mar once. Wasn't nice to me. Mm, same. Yes. I love his show, by the way. And I think he's a wonderful broadcaster. And I actually never miss, miss an episode. But he was uh, kind of mean to me once when I met him in a very quick interaction. What did he do? We were at... Uh, used to work for a radio station and we had a station event at a club in Hollywood and Bill Maher happened to be there with a girl he was dating and I loved his show so I bought him a drink and so I bought him a Jack and Coke and then he he goes and he goes what's that I go oh it's a Jack and Coke and he goes I drink Jack and Diet and blew me off (laughs) and like super rude and then just walked away like, not huh. even nice. Like, oh, sorry, buddy. You know what? But, you know, I got the drink, which was cool. I got to drink it. But it was like, dude, really? No, thank you even. Hm. Did it make it hard for you to watch his show that week at least? No, because he's kind of a prickly guy in general. You know, it's like yeah. the, the prickly guy was prickly to me. Right. Uh, yes, he's known for being that way. Yeah. What was your experience? So I was a stringer for Random Notes. Uh, for Well, I did a few different things for Rolling Stone, but one of them was Random Notes, which was, I don't know if they still have Random Notes, but it's that like front of the book section where they sort of cover different events going on in the world of rock and roll. And so I was covering this Yola Tango played the like a, a party for a season finale of Mr. Show. It was an HBO party at El Rey, and there were all sorts of stars there. Uh, and so... He and a date were leaving, and I went up to him to get a quote, and I was like, oh, hey, I work with Rolling Stone, Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I had made a very dumb rookie error, which is there was an HBO publicist 
who was supposed to be like a liaison that I was supposed, you know, I could have asked her to connect me to the celebrities I wanted to interview. But I, this is a real Gen X thing. I was like a, and I I played in a punk band and I was Gen X and I was real DIY. And I was like, I'm just going to approach it myself. And for the most part, it worked. I had this like, I don't need, I don't, I don't, I, I would like to have redone that. But I do understand where he was coming from, but he was like, you're not really with Rolling Stone, are you? And oh. I was like, no, I am. But but it, he was just so like weirdly uh, patronizing and like didn't believe me and paranoid. And I'm trying to remember the other things he said. I remember he's like, um, like he just didn't sort of know whether he believed me or not. And I remember asking him like, Oh, why are you guys, you know, it was kind of early and he and his date were leaving. And I was like, Oh, why are you guys leaving? And he's like, Oh, well she has school in the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm sure it was like, you know, dental hygienist school or something. But I remember my friend and I kind of laughing about that for a little while. And, um, I forget what else, but it was one of those things where years later, I was like, I sort of, I was, did I imagine that? But my friend always talks about what a dick he was. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, hey. well, you know, it, he kind of plays that way on TV. So, yeah. I, you know, that's just him. But, yeah, kind of funny thing. I, I was thinking of some of my uh, marriage advice. And this one, actually, I use the same advice that I got in driver's education. And, did it. they teach you the IDPE process? I don't think I don't know it by that name. Like you gotta identify, uh, predict, decide, execute. So, oh, IPDE process. I would, I would, I would be smashed into a car in front of me while trying to remember this. Right. So you you, you identify, predict, decide, and then execute. And I use that for dealing with my wife because I'll be at home and then I'll identify something I think she'll notice, then predict her level of annoyance, then I decide what to do about it and I execute. And this is like, you know, like, okay. that's like defensive driving. It's also like defensive marriage. <laughs> and so like, and I think this is like marriage 300 skills right here like marriage 100 you're just getting started you you can't even get to this level because you have to be married for a long time to really know what gets under people's skin and to think i'm gonna nip this in the bud before there's even a conversation so right. previously i might have just seen the sponge not in the correct sponge holder at the house and been like eh, who cares no biggie it's a sponge it's in the sink it's within two feet of where it needs to be uh, well, I'm okay with that, but then now I know immediately when she comes in the house, she's going to see it and she's going, this is disgusting and blah, blah, we need to burn the house down. The sponge isn't in the right spot. And so now I, 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 I'm like, I, I just want seamless, no conversations about anything. You know, <laughs> nothing's going to get brought up. I did nothing wrong. She, she goes through the house like the Gestapo looking, searching for something wrong something being hidden and then she goes right into the bedroom and takes her nap and eats her Cheez-Its and then she's fine and I there's no conversation that's what I'm really going for and I've almost hit that level of like expert 
husband, you wow. know. Does your blood pressure rise when she's doing her uh her walkthrough? Oh yes. Yes. And I think, <laughs> what have I forgotten? What did I leave behind? What is it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's 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 like the opening scene in Inglorious Bastards, basically, like Christoph Waltz <laughs> talking about milk. It's tough when when one whoa, my microphone just decided now's the time to crash into the desk. It's tough when one person works at home and one person leaves and you know goes out is is out of the home and going back and forth because they're bringing a whole different energy in and out of the house. Yes. There's a whole like compression decompression period that has to happen in things. Yeah, when like when you leave the house to go to work and then you come back, you know when the house smells. <laughs> right? Like yes. when you work from home, you kind of don't like it's you know when you, you walk get nose into, like, blind. A, yeah, that's, you walk in. That's what I learned in a Febreze commercial. Yeah, and it's really true. That's a great ad, by the way. Just it really is. It really is. Uh, but yeah, Todd, and, and yeah. No, I want to hear what you're going to say, but I was just wondering: Do you have a story? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I had one more, one more piece of marriage oh, okay, advice. Okay, yes. And that is: give them the benefit of the doubt. The best advice ever. Yeah. I want the benefit of the doubt. You know, sometimes I do something stupid, but you know what, babe? It wasn't to annoy you or ruin your day. It was just me being stupid, you know, or me not thinking, give me a break. You know, I think that's a, I think that's a good one. And I think that's advanced marriage, by the way. Not keeping score. Yeah, that's graduate level. Yeah. Upworthy Weekly. David Tan of Middleton, Wisconsin, spent 40 years in the cockpit as a military professional and private pilot, and he's still in the air. But now his co-pilots are mostly rescue dogs. Since 2012, he's flown more than 360 dogs to safety, as well as 23 cats, a potbelly pig, and even a bat that he helped deliver to a rescue preserve. By, by the way, are we still eating bat these days, or are people off that? I've switched to Beyond Bat. It tastes the same. A little rough on my tummy at the beginning, but now I would, I'm never going back. It all started back in 2012 when he heard about Pilots and Paws, a nonprofit that brings together pilots and shelters to transport pets to safety for new forever homes. Oh, that's so sweet. Can you imagine, you know, like, you know, how, how dogs are so cute sometimes when they're sitting there in the... You know, passenger seat, and they're sticking their head out. Imagine a little, little little puppy next to you sticking his head out of an airplane. I mean, I'm going to ignore what I believe would actually be the physics of that, because that would be disastrous. And just imagine if it were a cartoon, and it'd be so cute. So cute. Just, just oh, no, no, imagine like a dog with like aviator glasses on. I know. I'm thinking of like Snoopy's cousin, the Red Baron. No, no, no. Snoopy's cousin was Spike. Who was the Red Baron yeah. in the whole Peanuts universe? The Red Baron was Snoopy adopting an alter ego. Yes. Okay. Then I'm thinking of that version of Snoopy who had aviator glasses. Yeah. All of this is very cute. And uh, David Tan said, if you fly, it's a perishable skill that you must keep current. So rather than take a flight and go somewhere for what we call the, the proverbial $200 hamburger, I'd rather be flying dogs. So I guess 
if you are a pilot, in order to keep up with you know your skill set, then you go, gee, you know, I haven't flown in a couple months. I'm just going to go down to San Diego, you know, get a bite to eat at the airport, and then fly back to make sure mm. that you know the plane's in working order or that I still have my eyesight or you know whatever. Got it. So now they can fly dogs. That's so sweet and cute. Now, sweet I and wonder cute. what. I wonder what the dog thinks, because my dog gets a little antsy when I'm just in the, you know, just driving him up the road. Like when a dog is way up there, he's like, what the, what the hell is going on here? Because the <laughs> dog has no concept of, of life in the heavens or dog probably doesn't know what clouds are made of or, you know, right. dog doesn't know that space exists. So the dog's up there either freaking out or just nothing in the brain, just going, uh, uh. But there's probably, like, an older dog who's like, do you know what it used to be like to fly? It was a cakewalk. You just waltzed through. You could just, you could smoke on the plane, you know. Yeah. And now it's this whole security, carry, what do they call it, security? Oh, my God. Security Joke theater? not coming to me. Security, yeah, no, but there's like kabuki, kabuki. Thank you, security kabuki. Anyway, yes. Actually, security kabuki is playing Coachella next year. Upworthy <laughs> Weekly. Uh, you saw them at Woodstock, though. Uh oh. Upworthy Weekly. Hey, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, a friend of the show to everybody. Uh, this is Erica Mandy from the Newsworthy podcast. Now, no relation to Upworthy. We're both worthy, uh, but this is <laughs> this is a separate thing that is is associated tangentially with our show, but not an Upworthy production. But anyway, uh, er- Erica has a, a great show where if you give her ten minutes, she'll give you the world. <laughs> I like that promise. Uh, yes, thank you for having me on. Uh, all the cool people have Worthy in their name. I'm Allison Worthy. It was, it was James Worthy used to play for the Lakers. Was a... <laughs> the cool thing is about Erica's show, Newsworthy, is that it's all the news that you need to know during the day, uh, but without any political bias. And she takes the anxiety out of the news. Question how did you come up with the idea of doing news that was not anxiety-inducing? So I was actually a TV news reporter for over a decade, and I kept hearing from people that they were just tuning out news altogether because it was too depressing, too time-consuming, too biased, too overwhelming. And that's why I decided, can I try to fix this problem with a daily news podcast? And so I said, let me try this for a year and see if people like it. And in that year, I, I heard from people that they were having less anxiety, they were voting for the first time, they were having better conversations with their friends because they just needed 10 minutes a day um, to get a wide variety of stories that, yes, you're getting the serious stories, but I'm really careful not to just give you the doom and gloom. So we give you everything from politics to entertainment to space to technology um, so that you can walk into work or walk into a conversation with your family and feel like you know what's going on that day as well as start something new start a a conversation about something maybe other people haven't heard about and you really only need 10 minutes a day that's wonderful uh and upworthy weekly uh allison and i we're gonna be showing up for the next couple weeks on feel good fridays where we'll be sharing uh, some positive news with everybody 
Now, this was not self-applied. This was something that <laughs> other people have told me uh, that given my position as one of the head writers at Upworthy and, and doing this show that I'm actually the king of good news. So I believe it. I believe it. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> 25 people share their best frugal living hacks that save them money. And uh, it's a really good thing for people to be sharing right now when, I don't know, a banana costs $14. Um, the Frugal Living Waste Less, Gain More forum on Reddit is a goldmine for all those looking for some money-saving tips and tricks. And people are sharing them, uh, how they save money. And one person said, the library is essentially my bookshelf in another building. And Ooh, that's oh, I nice. thought that's that's pretty amazing. I you know I do not go to my local library because I've uh, I've been banned from what? the Long Beach Long Beach and the city of Torrance will not accept me to have a library card because I owed so much money uh, when I checked out books a long time ago. I just checked them out, and didn't return them, and so how much did you owe? Oh God! It was—I don't know—it was like forty-five bucks or something, and I just kind of didn't pay it. Um, I think eventually they came after me, like collections or something, and I paid it. But it was to two different cities. I just didn't return the books when I was—I was much younger, uh-huh. and so I wanted to get a book out from the Long Beach Library, and I applied, and I got rejected for a library card. I, oh my God! That's so fun. <laughs> It's—I'm it's, <laughs> amused by your story. Thank you. I so I I often think like, man, I should go over there and like get a book for the kid, and I'm like, oh, I can't. But then I'd have to but talk to my wife. Couldn't he? Yeah, couldn't he get a library card? And couldn't you just check it out with his library card? Oh yeah, and then I can ruin his library credit by getting <laughs> books. <laughs> he could get his Thomas the Tank, and then it's like you know I'm getting a Raymond Chandler book or something like that, and then. Um, they were like, this kid reads Raymond Chandler. That's kind of impressive, you know? <laughs> uh, so even if, so like, even though you've paid it off, they won't give you another chance. Is there a picture of you behind the desk there? Like, do, <laughs> yeah, not, do not give no, they, this man a They card? go by social security number. Oh, wow. Oh. I didn't know that they're allowed to blacklist you like that. Yeah. I mean, last time I tried, it was a no go. So, and I don't know. Maybe I can go over to like the Lakewood or uh, Seal Beach and get a. So get a you don't think card? that word has spread? I suspect word has spread to them too. Oh, you think they talk? I don't even know if I should be doing this show with you. I might want to check out a book someday. Hey, can I? Uh, can I borrow your library card? Can I? I don't think that'd be a good I, idea. And you know what? I here's how I know my mother doesn't uh, use the public library because I did it to her card too. <laughs> so one day my mom's gonna walk in there with her library card to go to check out a book, and they'd be like, "I'm sorry, Mrs. Perry, but uh, we cannot lend to you." <sighs> wow, it was a mess when Todd. I was younger. Uh, some other money-saving tips. Uh, someone says, learn to love drinking water. After I quit drinking soda and energy drinks, I switched to water, and I lost 30 pounds. 
But also, you're not buying a whole ton of beverages. Uh, when you go to the drive-thru, you're saving $2.50. You know, that over the course of a lifetime, you could buy a house. I mean, it's so depressing, but it's true. Also, someone said, and I actually, I, I live by that advice. Like, I never drink. So I only drink, like, water, beer, and uh, coffee, you know? Uh, and someone said, do a no-spend week. And mm. I was like, that, sound, that sounds fun. Like, just like a challenge. Oh, can we get through the week without spending money? And I remember, like, when COVID first hit, and I remember my wife and I looked at the bank account. We're like, whoa, where'd we get all that money from? It's like, oh, we weren't going <laughs> out anywhere. We weren't spending money. And it was like, oh, it's like, oh, we should treat ourselves to something nice, you know? <laughs> So I was thinking I had some money-saving advice. My wife, when she did like an audit on our bills and was like, we're spending like $2,000 a month on groceries. And I was like, if I cut that by 30%, that's like the payment for a Tesla, right? That's like 600 bucks a month that you have just mysteriously, you know, wind up in your bank account. And so they have one of these, they call it the grocery outlet stores that's oh, yeah. right across the street. That's right across the street from my regular grocery store. So when I make my shopping list, I go in, and if they have anything there, everything's like 40% off there, which is great. But, you know, instead of getting Cheez-Its, you get, like, the truffle-flavored Cheez-It that, like, nobody wanted. <laughs> you know, or I once saw the most disturbing thing ever there, and it was it was Sour Patch Kids cereal. <laughs> oh, yuck. Yeah, like, I, I would just think, like, you, you got to call Child Protective Services on anybody that buys that <laughs> for, for a kid. But, I mean, they'll have normal stuff like the, the bacon I buy is four ninety nine instead of eight ninety nine now, you know? And right. you, you get your milk for three fifty instead of six fifty, And so they have, and they have good deals on, like, wine and beer. So I go through there, and I do my first run. If I have time, I go through there, do my first run. And then whatever's left over, I go to the other grocery store. So I get the same stuff. Uh, you just save like 40% on it because you go in there and they make you bag your own groceries and, and everything. But And to me, it's fun like bargain hunting for everything. So I, I do that. So I don't know if those are nationwide or what. but I think we have one of those. I should go there. I think we do have one of those near us. Yeah. It's like why burn money if you don't have to? Allison, do you have any cheapskate tricks? Well, I, I shoplift. So I find, yeah. So I find that I save a lot of money by stealing stuff, by shoplifting, generally just not paying for stuff I want Mm. is like a humongous discount. Daniel smashes and you grab. (laughs) We do us. We do the occasional smash and grab. We'll do a case. We'll case a joint. You know, we do not personally do a ton of this. But I think that we are members of like a local buy nothing group and we have given, we've gotten, are, are you like, are you aware of these buy nothing groups on Facebook? No. It's a great way to get rid of stuff. Our problem is we have too much stuff 
uh, we're like we we hang on to stuff too long, and we're we're trying to downsize and get rid of stuff. And because we when we moved, we like did we we brought too much stuff with us. So we're trying to make space in the garage and get rid of stuff and organize and stuff. So I'll be like, let's just throw that out. Let's just throw that out because I um, am a fan of just. If we're going to get rid of it, we'll throw it out. And Daniel, who is a good person, will be <laughs> like, this is a perfectly good queen bed. Someone could use this. And I'll be like, right. who wants your old queen? It's a used bed. Who wants your used bed? And he'll be like, plenty of people will want this bed. Like, it was only used for, a f- and I'm like, it's a 10-year-old bed. And he's like, but it was only used a little bit. So anyway... Daniel posted his old bed on the local buy nothing group and then went out and like spent money to buy a cover for it so he could set it outside. So and I was just like, if it were me, I would have like threw it. I I mean, done something that was bad for the environment and selfish with it, (laughs) because, again, I'm not I'm not proud. But Daniel put effort into it and spent money. But now someone owns this bet you know what i mean like it was the night he's such a good person so i uh, what a jerk making me feel bad but so anyway there's there are these local buy nothing groups and people post stuff they want to get rid of and it's a great way to get stuff from people in your community and you can get good stuff and it's a good way to get rid of stuff too but yeah a way we save money is just like hand me down using hand me down baby stuff not use formula but my sister has kids has a boy who's a year older so we have one we have the most adorable pineapple halloween costume that has been worn like four times by all the cousins a pineapple you say I didn't know it had special meaning. It's so cute. I I forgot. Now I know. Well, it's, I think in one of the early episodes of this podcast, I think Allison brought this up to me that there is a certain. No, you brought it up. Did I? Did I bring it? Up? Was this? Was it, oh, oh, did that, I? Or wait, did I bring it up? Maybe I had found out. I was. I didn't. For a long time, I didn't know, and then somehow the information was disseminated to me. So maybe I had just learned it and I was all excited to tell. Maybe I was excited to tell you. A pineapple indicates a swinging lifestyle mm-hmm. and can be like code for swinging. And, but also it can be just an innocent, cute Halloween costume. But my old dentist has a lot of pineapple imagery on his website. And I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, it was like I sent you a photo a couple weeks ago. It was a event for my kids' flag football team, and we went to one of the parents' houses, and what was right out in front of there, like a big sign hanging from the front of the house, a pineapple. So I started Some... thinking, oh, kinksters, huh? <laughs> Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. weekly. Jennifer Garner did an installment of her pretend cooking show where, and it's very cute, she wore a dress, but she also pointed out that she was wearing sweatpants under it, uh, and she made brownies, 
and she gives the recipe. But then while the brownies were in the oven, she did something that she said made her a little uncomfortable. And I think we can all relate to this. She called a senator and said that she was a constituent and that she wanted gun reform. And she used a script that was provided to her uh, by CNN's Jessica Yellen. And she posts the script as well. And in the comments, she posts uh, some, you know, some info on how to do this. And it was it was really informative and really human and really good and really upworthy. I think we have some audio. Perfect amount of time to make a call in support of the gun safety bill. Unfortunately, nobody is available at this time to take your call. Please leave a message. Hello, uh, my name is Jennifer Garner. I'm at Yeah, I like the video because instead of somebody being preachy, she just shows that it's so easy to contact your senator about a bill that just in between cooking, she could sit real quick. She she shows the script to say the message to leave and then move on so people can have their voices heard about, uh, you know, gun safety. So I thought it was really cute the way she did it. And it was done in a very Jennifer Garner kind of way. And, you know, it's just I think lots of times people think the political process is like way out of reach for them uh, mm-hmm. or that sometimes this doesn't work. But if you remember when the they were going to op- uh, repeal the Affordable Care Act, the pressure that people put on even like right wing senators and stuff like that was very, very powerful. And it did change some votes because people were really, really adamant about keeping that. So I think this is the kind of thing where right now I have I read a story in I think Huffington Post yesterday about how a bipartisan group of senators have talked about uh, different safety laws that they're they're working on putting into effect and there's bipartisan support for to help hopefully uh, stop this uh, stuff from happening again. So there is some positive hope on the horizon for some kind of legislation to be passed that'll stop people from committing heinous acts of violence. Good. And real quick, before you people who are listening put down that app, just let you guys know you can leave a review for us uh, on Apple Podcasts. And we got a new one that we got a new one this week, and we'll we'll read them on the show if you, you do one. And this is Funny Feel Good Pod. Allison and Todd are entertaining without being overly sweet. If you want a fun, entertaining podcast, check them out. And I, this kind of works towards what I think people fear when they hear Upworthy podcasts, that maybe it's just people going, oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, isn't that awesome? Isn't that heartwarming? And, you know, something that's, you know, people not getting too serious into issues or whatever. But I think we uh, have subverted that on this show. Maybe that's why people come back and listen. I think so, too. I'd like to thank Allison Rosen for spending some time with me in doing this show. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure for me, too. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. 
questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.